Welcome back to Crime Scenes, everybody. We are the show to listen to. If you want to hear from the real experts in the field, the experts that have the true understanding and the confidentiality and respect for the deceased and their families, and we're not going to exploit those victims. So we have Today, some special guests. But we do. I'm going to let Laura introduce them. Before we do that, <laughs> I just want to say that I'm Shelly, your courtroom cat. And I'm Laura, your crime scene investigating field mouse or whatever cute little furry creature runs out and gets all nitty gritty and dirty. That's fine. Yes. <laughs> nitty gritty. 100%. <laughs> so as Shelly said, we are continuing our series of celebrating women in science for women in science or women's history month. And uh, episode, we are featuring Gap Science, which provides forensic field officer Wait, forensic training officer. Oh my gosh, I'm already messing this up. Forensic supervision training and also training for field training officers or basically if you're new to a crime scene unit, somebody gets assigned to you to make sure that you're not going to mess this up, that you have a mentor, that you know what you're doing, that you're following the agency's protocols, et cetera. You're basically responsible for their education. So from my understanding... Aaron and Ashley were co-workers. Aaron was in charge of Leighton Prince and Ashley was in charge of crime scene. And at some point they realized there's a lot of training available in forensic science. However, there's not so many things about forensic supervision in general. So these wonderful, brilliant women decided to fill the gap. Do I have that right, Aaron and Ashley? You got it. That was a pretty amazing <laughs> intro. From Shelly and Laura. It's true. <laughs> well, we are thrilled to have you guys. For those of you who are regular listeners, thank you so much. You might remember our guest, Detective Rob Caceres, who shared with us the inner workings, the best practices, some nuances about processing mass fatality crimes. And Rob, is working under Ashley and Aaron for Gap Science, doing training with them for uh, the field training officer position. So we get to have that little sweet, I don't know, nepotism tie-in where we wanted to, <laughs> we love Gap Science because we love Rob. And I've been following them on social media for a few years. To be honest, I don't even know at what point I came across you guys because you were really good about literally exploding social media when you started your company. And even though I didn't get a chance to say hi, I remember when you had a booth at one of the IAI shows with that balloon arch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think you guys were like right across from us and you had a really nice banner with your logo. It was really cute. <laughs> Listen, I didn't pay for it, girl. <laughs> Literally, you guys had just launched it. Yeah. Maybe you hadn't launched the first episode yet, but you're like doing a lot of teasers at that time. I think we were just dangling the carrot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Shelly and I love when we have guests to hear the origin story. So yes. I don't know which one of you wants to go first, but I'd love to know and hear from each of you how you got bitten by the forensic science bug, your journey as you moved in and out of working for law enforcement and then meeting each other and formulating the company. Ugh. You guys are in Florida too, right? With me? I used to be, but now I'm in South Oh, are you a trader? Did you leave? Uh, I wouldn't see a trader. I was actually the best thing because it was right before COVID. Okay, I hear you. 
As far as when I was getting bitten by the forensic bug, definitely the shows were a major influence right around the time I was maybe preteen. That's when the CSI shows were coming out. I always loved to watch like detective shows like Law and Order, Murder, She Wrote, all those things. Just the idea of being able to solve crimes with math and science, I was like, sign me up. So in high school, I was literally preparing for that field. And like guidance counselors would be like, and you'll change your major three times. And, you know, the only big university at the time with a forensic science degree, like a bachelor's degree, was the University of Central Florida. I knew that. This was a long time ago. So like I knew I was like, that's where I'm going to go to school. And they're like, you should probably apply elsewhere. I was like, no, I don't need to. So like I only applied to UCF. I didn't change my major. That's what I was planning on doing since I was like 13. And you need to email that guidance counselor and be like, hey, remember me. (laughs) Look at me. My best friend is a guidance counselor and she works at our old high school. So she knows. Oh my gosh. She should tell her. Have her tell her. I think she's made like subtle hints. I love that. I almost didn't get into college because of her too, because she forgot to send in my paperwork. So like. Ew. That guidance counselor. Uh, Is she still a guidance counselor? Wow. She retired. You did not change your major. You went to UCF. Yeah. Did all the things. And then I did my internship at the Orange County Sheriff's Office in Orlando. And while I was there, I'm pretty sure like the majority of the crime scene investigators already had their master's or were getting their master's while working full time. And that seemed pretty miserable. So I decided in order to get my foot in the door, like I should probably just get that over with. So I chose something to set me apart and chose entomology, which is the study of insects. Which is the bug. I was just going to say, I was totally going to say that you got the bug. Yeah, (laughs) I did. I stopped being about entomology at all. That's That's my fear. The thing is, so the forensic entomology is actually through the College of Veterinary Science. It's not through the College yes, of Veterinary Science. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yep. So all of my classes, like he, he wasn't a professor in any of them. Well, he's at um, UF. I went to school at UF. Oh, I thought you said Central Florida. Well, that's for my bachelor's. For oh, my master's. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. For okay. Mas- my master's, I went over to the University of Florida for entomology. And, and my research wasn't forensic entomology related anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So luckily I don't have any college debt, but I had an assistantship and you kind of are at the mercy of whatever the professor wants you to research. So I researched a stink bug. <laughs> so yeah, my husband would love that. So that was my life for two years studying wow. a stink bug. And well, what did you learn about stink bug? I mean, do you really want to get this nerdy? Okay, let's just Go she there. knows a lot about stink bugs. <laughs> I'm all in. I want to know all about the stink bug. I feel like at this point I need to know. Okay. If you want to talk about me, I go there. I might drive heat, but stink bugs, I'm down. Let's do it. My stink bug of choice for my research was called the brown marmorated stink bug. Brown okay, so I didn't even know there were several kinds. Stink bug of choice. Oh, girl, there's like hundreds of species. Do they smell wow. different each time? Yeah. So this one kind of smelled like cherries. <laughs> yeah. That's not that stinky. I mean, when there's a lot of them, it's, it's not super pleasant. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked these questions. Keep going. That's I want more. I want more. Bug is proliferous. So it means it feeds on a variety of different plants. And then 
the reason why it was such a big deal that people were researching it is because it could be like a really invasive species, especially it hadn't reached down to Florida yet. So everything I researched was in a quarantine lab and they were like, we don't know what it's going to do our crops. Particularly, what's the biggest crop in Florida? Oranges. Oranges. (laughs) I'm like, Amora. So oranges, huge industry. If this particular insect were to defecate or decimate the crops. Kelly and I do that all the time. Yeah. Anyway. You know, I, you know, I GTS the brown marmorated stink bug. It's an invasive bug that's a serious pest of fruits, vegetables, and other crops. Yep. And it's an yeah. uh, urban pest as well. So what it will do is essentially, if you want to, I don't want to get too technical. So it kind of like hibernates in the winter. So it will come indoors in your house. Mm. And it's not going to do anything. It's just hanging okay. out. So obviously people don't really want stink bugs inside of their house either so it's okay a, so it's i taught a class in allentown pennsylvania which is where it was collected in 1998 that's um, where it originated yeah that's what they're saying and then i was of course obviously when you gts something then you know more things come up and it says can stink bugs hurt you can they bite and then why shouldn't you squish a stink bug and i'm seriously <laughs> i'm so interested now i want to know all the things so the mouth parts of a stink bug are more like a straw so it doesn't have any stinging. So it doesn't bite you. It's not like a beetle that has like the jaws yeah. like that. So they're pretty harmless. And, and if you, you squish, squish them, that's when it smells. And it says that the chemicals actually attract other stink bugs in your house. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, ew. They got to communicate with their partners. So what yes. I'm hearing is that when you kill it, its friends can smell that and get pissed and show yeah. up. Yeah, but it's also a defense mechanism, too. If it's mm-hmm. feeling threatened, that's when it also... Like, like a skunk? Yeah. So like yeah. A skunk. yeah. That's like a skunk. <laughs> okay, so no. you graduated with your master's in entomology and then go on. Back over to Orange County. I was literally writing, like finishing up writing my thesis as I was getting hired by Orange County, which was super fun. Nice. And I was there for about three and a half years. I think maybe a year into it, I was able to be a field training officer. I love training. And then I got married and we kind of wanted to slow things down a bit. And Orange Mm -hmm. County is a little crazy with themselves as far (laughs) as So I hopped on one county over to Osceola County and it's like a third of the caseload. I was just there teaching. You were, you were. Yeah, I'll be back in a couple months. She'll be back in Florida soon teaching. Her yep. courtroom testimony class. Yes, we yes. just sent out the flyer for OPD to all of our peoples. Love it. Aww, <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited. I didn't know how to pronounce it. Osceola. So what years were you in Orange County where Orlando and Disney World is for everyone who's wondering like the geography? She was literally in the dead center of the state where a lot of tourists congregate to visit Universal, Disney, medieval times, whatever. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Or that, that upside down, spot. Ripley's Believe It or Not building. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I was in Orange County from 2013 to 2017, I believe. Okay. And then uh, Osceola. So slowing things down a bit, Osceola has about a third of the caseload, right? And Osceola is where the majority of Disney is. So like Kissimmee, Disney. Kissimmee, right. Yeah, that's another one I can't pronounce. So how was Osceola County? Oh, I mean, it definitely was the pace I was looking for. That's Mm -hmm. where I met Mm Erin. Yeah. 
Are we Shout out to Aaron. Yes. Sorry about the segue. I was a crime scene investigator and Aaron was a latent print examiner. Sounds like the beginning of a buildup to a love story. It um, really is a love story. Now, like fast forwarding to 2018, right, Aaron? Yeah, that's when we were both promoted to, well, like we were kind of in limbo. Like we were assigned mm-hmm. supervisory duties, but we didn't have the promotion yet. And we went through a lot of the same struggles and at the same yeah. time. They were very supportive of us going to training. So we did have the opportunity yeah. to go to a ton of different leadership courses and stuff like that. As we're going through the struggle bus together, we were like, okay, some of these leadership courses are really great. Some of them are really not great, but nothing is specific to our field. And our field, I feel like, is so unique. And we were looking around for a supervision course or any type of leadership development in the forensic community, and there's none. So that's when we're like, let's just create it our damn selves. And that's I love that. Yep. You want something done right, you got to do it yourself. So we made the 40-hour forensic supervision training, launched it, and then we're like, let's just make a business. So like we went to, I don't know if you know Rachel Hollis. She's like, so I was like super into professional development or or personal development at that time. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to Rachel Hollis all the time. And I went to Erin and I was like, she has a conference. Let's go. It's a business conference. And Erin's like, sure, let's do it. So at that conference, we literally came up with our name, Gap Science. We're filling in the gaps. We created our logo. We had our colors, like all of that done before the conference ended. I want to know how you. (laughs) Yes. Since you mentioned your colors, you do have a very identifiable green. Yes. Mm -hmm. So how did we land on that? Ashley is our in house graphic designer. So any graphics or anything you see, it's the secret squirrely skill that she did not know she possessed until we started this. I did notice an elevated level of that. Yeah. But when we first started out, she was like, well, what do you think about green and purple? And she was like, I don't know, like green and purple might not be good for like business colors or whatever. And I'm like, who gives a shit? It's our business. There you go. If you want green and purple, let's do it, girl. And so that's not green and purple. It's glurple. Okay. (laughs) That's just kind of stuck from the beginning. I love that you said that to her though, Erin, because I think that we all go through periods when we create something of self-doubt. So she's like, what do you think? And you're like, yes, immediately do this. (laughs) Yes. We joke a lot about that. She's the yin to my yang. So like, Mm -hmm. I am not the creative, like we've joked a Mm -hmm. lot about because she'll be like, what do you think about this font? How about this font? What about this font? Is this font better? And I'm like, girl, just pick whatever. They all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. That is me. So me and Laura. I'm the Ashley. Yeah. I, yes. yes. And I'm like, I can't even draw a stick figure in proportion. So you Same. are beautiful. Yes. <laughs> Ashley does all the beautiful graphics, visuals, all of that stuff. And I do the taxes. She does all the business stuff, like drafting yeah. the contracts and coordinating all the trainings and all, yeah, all of those. All right. Yeah. Aaron and I, we are soul sisters. Yes. Aaron, since we are soul sisters, hit me with your best shot, girl. Okay. So I'm a solid 10 years older than Ashley. So I, I was not a thing when I started in my career. When I was in high school, my mom was the one that was like, gosh, I think it would be so cool to work in forensics, but it's just so disgusting. I could never do it. 
And I didn't even know what she was talking about. So I looked into it and I ended up also going to UCF. At UCF, I did my internship at Brevard County. They hired me out of my internship. So I started in Brevard County in 2006 as a crime scene investigator. And then I, in 2008, they sent me to Ron Smith's Layton Print Academy. So I started doing Layton's then. Yeah. For our audience who doesn't understand this, there are OGs of things. And that doesn't mean that they're the only one that's fantastic. However, the OG of forensic fingerprint analysis training is a man named Ron Smith. He's still in the business today. He's still amazing. Everybody loves Ron. He's like the kindest man. So, I mean... And a lot of his students now do training like Hillary, Moses, like a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. It was an amazing program. And I definitely still to this day, I definitely highly recommend it for people as anyone that can afford to go and wants to be a latent examiner. But they sent me to that in 2008. And so I started doing latent scent crime scene at that department. And then I left there in 2010 and I moved to D.C. to become a government contractor. The first contract I worked for was with the Army, and I worked for the Battlefield Forensics Training Team, and we traveled to the different military bases and trained the soldiers that were getting ready to deploy in different forensic disciplines. So, yes, (laughs) I didn't even know that was a thing. So did you meet Hillary there? Because I know she did military later. Yes, I worked with Hillary at TDAC. I was her supervisor. I had a team of supervisors at the TDAC So I did the battlefield forensics for about two years. And then I went over to the TDAC laboratory, which basically all those soldiers that were deploying, they were sending back all those IED materials to that laboratory. And then we were processing that stuff for latent prints. So when I started there, I was a supervisor and then I was promoted into one of the deputy program manager positions over that lab. So that was a very cool experience. We had about like 450 forensic professionals that worked at that laboratory. Wow. Um, yeah, I have 700 follow-up questions to what you just told me. But can, can you, uh, Yeah, me too. Yeah, like, keep going. For example, I, all right, this is the first one that I thought of. All right, so you're collecting latents off of these bombs. Yes. To compare to what? There's not like Taliban Aethys. There is. There, <laughs> there is. is? Yes, I was going to yeah. say there, I is. there is. I want to know about there, the Taliban Aethys. There legit is a Taliban Aethys. Yes, there yes. is. How did you get said info. So obviously we weren't privy to all of that. They kept all of the teams separate and it was very secret squirrely. Like nobody was allowed to know what anybody else was doing, even though everybody was aware. Like we worked in this big complex, you know, the buildings had no windows and like all of this stuff. And there was like a DNA lab there and there was our lab there and there was like a um, Mm -hmm. like a digital forensics. They were all in that complex and we weren't supposed to know that what was in those other buildings. But obviously we did. Sounds like the IA department of a police agency. We're like, oh, nobody knows what's going on over here. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. For real. So we processed all the materials and then the latents went over to the latent examiners at Quantico. And then they did their things with the latents there. So we really didn't get a lot of feedback about any successes we were having. But I guess that's not usually uncommon in forensics, you know. I was annoying about that. Yes. All right. But yes, what Aaron is speaking to is something that I feel like I could rant on about 
in another episode, which is we put an awful lot of work into cases for no one to tell us anything about how well we did at that. Yes. And it's obnoxious. Yeah. You've poured your heart and soul into a case yeah. and you don't actually know how it turns out at the end. On a side tangent to that, I think dispatchers like also deal with a lot of that, especially because yes. they're like the ones hearing the calls and like they're yeah. like, in distress. They're helping someone out and they literally have no idea the outcome of those calls. Yeah, that's a it's good probably point, way worse like, That's a them. really good point. Yeah. yeah. They've done studies about that. Like, you know, they don't have any type of closure and it actually messes with their mental psyche a little bit. I'm really glad you brought that up because I was aware that they suffered a lot of PTSD from being on the call, but I never Mm -hmm. thought about the fact that they don't get resolved from those conversations. Yeah. So like the movie movie that's called The Call by Halle, you know, Halle Berry is the star. That doesn't happen. No. It's an amazing movie, by the way. It's kind of like, you know, emotional and a little yeah. like, scary. Though but... I have heard dispatchers give her credit for her mannerisms and the way that she is like on the fake call. Yeah. They said that she like actually shadowed people. So even though that movie is completely BS, they <laughs> were like, well, thank you for at least showing how we take a call. So you're doing the coolest stuff ever, but you don't get closure, which is crappy. And then you ended up domestic at some point. Yeah. So obviously that was contracting and those contracts come and go. So that contract reduced in size significantly. We went from like 450 employees to I think now that laboratory has 20 employees, something like that. And then they also moved from the D.C. area to Alabama. And so when that happened, I didn't really want to go to Alabama. So I moved back. I like suspenders. To Florida. And I started working at Osceola County. At that point, I was a certified latent print examiner and they had a latent print position open. So they picked me up pretty quickly. And that's how I met Ashley. She's also done some pretty amazing stuff since then. But listen, I have no doubt. Again, you'll hear like if you listen to our interviews this whole month with Antoinette from Women in Forensics or with Kelly the Scientist. Mm. Every time we're like, I wish that we could do more because there's just so much to talk about, especially with you two, since I've been following you for so long that I have a lot of background knowledge where there's that weird sensation where I feel like I already know Know you. you. (laughs) (laughs) A lot on the internet. Ashley shares a lot of her life. Okay. (laughs) One of my favorite posts is you had done a back and forth like social media post where you're like, the supervisor says, oh, well, I want you to do all of this. And then you're like, okay, well, then what do I do with this? And you held your hands out and it said unwritten reports. And they're like, figure it out. And you're like, okay, well, then how about this? Unprocessed evidence. And it just kept going. And the reason why that resonated with me so heavily, for our listeners who've listened to every episode, they know this, but when I started in crime scene, I entered a four-person unit. In December. And by February, I was the only one. That's rough. And you like were brand new. You didn't have any experience for this. A hundred percent brand new. I have a (laughs) master's degree in forensics, but all of my field work was in forensic anthropology, which did give me a nice foundation, but not for like. Not what you needed for that situation. Not flash. So I did every single call out for the year 2011 for that PD. And they did assign a service aid 
for me, I became an FTO three months into the job. That's okay. effective. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was going to say crazy. Effective is a much better term. I ended that's, up... That's a more mature term. I ended up with something like 60 reports because what I had to do was prioritize the arrest because we had that whole two-week... I don't know if you guys had this... Two-week turnaround yes. that no one can follow because you're so behind on reports. It's Oh, they didn't give yeah. me a choice. I had... What? To do, so basically what happened was anything that had an arrest... I had to do before everything else, even if it was a homicide, because of that two-week turnaround. So I ended up with so many reports, and then I was the only person on call. No. The only reason I survived that is because I was unmarried, no children, and I was in my mid-20s, and I was fresh off of partying like a rock star. So I was already fine with not sleeping. And eating pizza for sustenance. Yeah, right now we're teaching. Rob and I are actually here in Delray Beach teaching the You're FTO with Robert class. called I Robert. I sure am. Yes, we're teaching the FTO class this week. That's and, awesome. Yeah. He teaches a CV course, right? Yes. You know, yeah. And like you talk about stuff like that. I mean, now that we've taught that class so many times, like it really is just appalling. Well, there was no one else. So actually, Aaron, I had to call Rob's unit. Yeah. Because I said, let's just say I was by myself by February. April had my first officer involved homicide. And I was like, absolutely not. I need help right now. I am not doing this by myself. Yeah. So I don't even think police departments or sheriff's offices should be legally allowed to get away with the situation they pitch you in. You know what I mean? Like there's so many legal issues and liability of like just sending someone to, you know, process crime scenes and stuff with no training program. And then like, how great does that look in court? You know, because, oh girl, you are. My first court case was like four or five months after I started. If, you know, the turnaround's that fast and you're already going to court and you had no training program, like, and if I was a defense attorney, I would eat you up. So what happened, because God loves me or the universe, depending on what you believe in, there was video surveillance of this young man taking a knife, air stabbing at our officers saying, you'll have to just kill me, just kill me, just kill me. So I got lucky because that evidence is pretty important when it comes to defense attorneys. Yeah, sure. And that whole review process that goes on when you have an officer involved homicide. I know the public didn't quite subscribe to this, but Ashley and Aaron can maybe confirm and maybe even Shelly. It's not taken lightly when law enforcement has to use deadly force on somebody. I'm not going to do that for multiple, multiple reasons. One, because it's the nature of our show. Yeah. So when we were discussing with Rob about how to mentally handle that what I'm wondering because I have spoken with other people maybe that worked with you on this incident just as CSI in our Florida community Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how you feel because the difference between what we talked about with Rob is Rob had multiple levels of a building or a structure or an a uh, large transit building that is a little bit different than the crime scene I'm thinking that you spent time on I'm wondering how your unit in particular, both 
tactically handled that and how you all mentally recovered. Because one thing that I've had from a lot of my colleagues in the South Florida area where I am is I've gotten a lot of DMs about nobody ever cares about how we feel going through these things. So A, am I right that you were part of that? And B, if I am, how do you feel about those two things? Okay. I did respond. It was kind of interesting. I had actually been at training in Tennessee at the body farm. So you got to go to the body farm. Zen gets to go to the body farm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was amazing. Highly recommend going to that training. If you have the opportunity, it is a blast, but it's also exhausting. Oh, I know. Yeah. I did anthro for my master's. Um, That's right. So you chose stink bugs. I chose stink armpit. For the like clay, <laughs> the clay is no joke. Like the sugar sand, I'll take Girl, sugar I sand in Florida. I'm like, goodness. Girl, and then our agency wouldn't pay to fly us there. So we literally were driving down. So we drove down from the body farm all the way back to central Florida. So I got back at like, I don't know, eight ish, 8 p.m. ish. And then I got the call. I wasn't even supposed to be on call. Like mm-hmm. I got a call around two or three sometime in the morning to come and assist. It was actually assisting another agency. That's all the information I got. That was a shooting. (laughs) And driving there, you know, you go through the same mental process, like, okay, like this is the equipment that I probably need. This is what the scene's probably going to look like. And then you start driving up to the scene and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? They had so many streets barricaded. All of the officers were carrying their rifles like up and down the streets. And I'm like, what are we getting ourselves into? But we all congregated at a subway that was <laughs> abandoned. And so it gave us shelter, it gave us air conditioning, we can charge our equipment. And we were had a plan developed of what who was going yeah. to do what and how we were going to approach that scene. And literally, like right as we were all about to go, is when it changed from local jurisdiction to federal jurisdiction. Yeah, yeah. I actually got deployed to that from Seymour's, but I could not go for pregnancy reasons. Yeah. She was growing a human inside of her. I was literally growing. You're sharing your body with someone else. (laughs) I had that poll where I really wanted to go help, but I'm like, I literally don't know what this is. And I'm super pregnant. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just that. Yeah, I think you made the right wow. call because yeah. they were there for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Seymour's is the Florida Emergency Mortuary Response System. And essentially, when a large incident happens that requires additional help for agencies, Seymour's is deployed as forensic experts and practitioners to assist. So I was deployed to help the agency that Ashley used to work for. However, I ha- was super pregnant, so I said I can't yeah. <laughs> There's a whole team of people that went. Can I digress a little bit and go back to your guys' website? Because I totally want to promote you. So first of all, I just want to say you guys have amazing courses, both online and in person. But you you have a shirt that I have to know because I am a marshmallow lover. Which one? Yeah. (laughs) Is it the marshmallow lover? Because I'm a marshmallow lover and I like you know, there's Easter coming up and I love peeps because I love marshmallows and marshmallow fluff is kind of amazing. And you have a t-shirt that I literally have in my cart right now. And I've been like, okay, what? Co- I just don't know what color to get. I just don't know what color to get. That's the only reason I haven't ordered yet. But it says, when life gives you a dumpster fire, 
roast marshmallows. Yeah. Who had the dumpster fire? And tell me more because I'm all about the marshmallows, but give me some forensic details about the dumpster fire. Do you want to take that there? I mean, everyone has a dumpster. Everybody has a dumpster fire. I've had a dumpster fire. I've had one. Yeah, Who has sure. not had a dumpster fire? I mean, yeah. obviously everyone's had one, but like. We think I'm it's like, a common theme in forensic supervision that, you know, you get promoted and then there's just literally, you're just, you spend your life putting out fires for sure. One so, dumpster fire off to the other. other. Yeah, correct. Okay. So I didn't know if it was based off because you have some other really cool t-shirts that, you know, like, oh gosh, sure. don't be a boss, be a leader. Yeah. I mean. What happens and is See, sat in our was. training, stay in the training. <laughs> oh my we don't, God. We don't leak each other's stuff out. It's Love a safe it. space okay. in our training. We yeah. frequently like refer to a lot of the stuff that we deal with as a big old dumpster fire. Um, um, so we're it. just trying to put a positive spin on. Okay, <laughs> so online or in person, what's your most popular course? Because you guys are all about trainings and this is like amazing. And a lot of our listeners are... They message us, I want to get into the field. How do I do this? What do I do? Like, how do I, whatever. And literally, I'm just going to be like, www.gapscience.com. Check it out. Thank you so much. I think right now, our most popular course is the FTO course, for sure. We get the most requests for that one. We already have, I think, nine agencies for next year that want to host that course, which that is exciting because that is lacking for sure in just people not having training programs or having ancient training programs, ones Mm -hmm. that haven't been updated in forever. And then even, you know, it's very prevalent in forensics where someone new is starting on Monday and you're going to train them. And here's our one piece of paper that's a training program. So I didn't even have that. I didn't even have that. My first agency, they threw that service in at me. And by the way, no hate to her. She did a very good job. I think she was being trained by somebody three months on. And then at some point they hired someone and they just decided that I was going to train her, which was fine, but there was no book. There was no anything. I've literally trained like a ton of CSIs without the knowledge that I was actually an FTO. I had no idea. (laughs) Many people have. Many, many people. I didn't get paid for that shit either. Yeah, most no, don't. No, you don't get yeah. paid for it. It's not like you're like, you know, you, you don't get a stipend. You're voluntold and you just do it. Because oh, yeah. You, yeah. The pennies that you make, you have to make them. So you can like make rent, make mortgage, whatever it is. You know, your cell phone bill, you got to have that, obviously. Hey, you just do it. You just do it. You don't get paid yeah. anything, but you just do it. That's still the case with many departments to this day that there is no training program. They are voluntold to train very Shortly before somebody starts, they don't know what to train or how to train. And so the class, it is picking up in popularity for sure. I think as more people are starting to realize this is maybe a problem. Well, I wish that was out there. Like, and so not only did I not get voluntold, they just, she showed up one day. And I'm like, happens a lot too. Sure. Yeah. Somebody even had a conversation with me like, hey, somebody started. Yeah. Like, like I was just like, (laughs) I expected. And I remember thinking like, it would have been nice for somebody to ask. I have 70 cases on file. 
And your situation is very common too, where maybe you didn't even get all the information you needed to do your job successfully, but now there's an expectation that you're going to turn around and share that with somebody else when nobody even showed you. That's also very common. We find that a lot in our classes where people are like, you know, my agency expects me to teach them how to do X, Y, Z, but nobody ever actually taught me how to do X, Y, Z. So like, how do I teach them to do it when I never did it myself? One of my favorite questions on a job application was, what does resiliency mean to you? And I wrote, resiliency means starting a new job where you're literally expected to contribute to the solving of murder. And then less than three months in, you're completely by yourself, expected to train new people and not fucking up. Yeah. And being on call 24-7 for nearly an entire year. For our audience, on call means you are never off work. Which means the wine that we all drink and the alcohol that we all drink. You can't have it, ish. Ish, It's a spirit. It's a spirit, not the letter. It's a spirit. Listen, when you're on call 24-7 for a year, you get flexible. (laughs) she's only talking about yoga it's yoga you're like i'll respond out but it's gonna take me about eight hours they have one memory of being like oh this might not be a good idea but by the time i got there i had freaked myself up and out to like be super sober and then it ended up being of course because not only does god love me but he has a sense of humor or the universe or whatever you believe in because (laughs) it was the weirdest crime scene Ever this was guy, the one? I mean, you know, never mind. Sorry, I'm like telling my own stories. We're supposed to interview you guys, but the long and the short of it was a man lived with a lesbian couple, and one of them was very autistic, and he was also very eclectic or bohemian. So the whole house was very interesting and had an awful lot of stuff. I wouldn't say it's hoarding, but it was enough to where you couldn't easily walk to places yeah and he had committed suicide and written the most dramatic suicide letter of my career because he was angry not at a person but the world so Uh he was literally going through government state mad at like the grocery store line at the cashier like So it had all these nuances and I'm sitting there like, if I hadn't had wine, I would have been more confused because for some reason, (laughs) it's just like relaxed your brain. It It relaxed my brain and I was like, I can't wine. (laughs) Like this totally makes sense. You can relate. Yeah, the same. I I hate the line at the grocery store too. Like same. (laughs) It was like one of those ones where like you couldn't make it up because The couple he lived with, they just had interesting patterns of how they chose to move about their life domestically. Like if you think about how a home is, and I hate to use this term, but normally set up, none of those rules applied. It was Pan's Labyrinth. (laughs) Okay, so that actually brings me to like a question for Ashley and Aaron. So, you know, we are a crime scene, whatever, and both of you were latent prints in crime scene investigations. So I want to hear from both of you what it was your either craziest most memorable most like heart-wrenching like the thing that stands out the most or your first even your first will work i can't top aaron's craziest case because i know exactly which one it is of my craziest case 
Yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to say. Whichever one you want. Our audience wants to hear this. <laughs> oh. No, unless no, you no, have no, hundreds of dildos, they're not going to be shocked. I had a case with 200 dildos. That's yeah. why she keeps that They're not going to be shocked. Yes. It was very sticky. I'm still afraid <laughs> to this day. Like the side tangent kind of goes with the dildos, though. But I remember training someone who is very innocent. Yeah. And educating her on like real world stuff was so entertaining. And we were yeah. like processing a car and you have to document everything inside of the car. And she's like, what's this? And she's putting it like closer to base and stuff. And keep it away from your face. It's yeah, a pocket to see. Like the flashlight. He's like, what's that for? I'm like, oh, God. So, Please keep it away from your face. When you're documenting on your evidence log, is that one word or two? Yeah. Pocket pussy, I feel like is a hyphen. Sexual apparatus. <laughs> a intimate device. We had to touch yeah. a lot of things. That oh was just my gosh. Oh, this made me snort. Settle down. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Hit me. Oh my gosh. I don't know which case Ashley's talking about. I mean, I feel like I know, but I feel, I feel like you know. scary. I feel awkward about sharing it, but like if I go way back to the beginning, so I was also one of those CSIs who I, there was no training program when I came into it either. And so I was actually assigned to my supervisor who didn't take calls and didn't work in-house cases. So I was assigned to her for three months. And so she went on three calls in three months and they were two suicides and a burglary. So of course, okay. so then she's like, you're good. I'm signing you off. You are on call now all by your lonesome. So, of course, the first case I got was like a sex crime, you know, and I'm out there like, this is fine. Like, I don't know how to use anything or whatever. I was like, I probably need to use an ALS, but nobody ever showed me how to use ALS. So I'm just going to shine it around and look uh, at the best, you know, yeah. it was like I'm stuff pretend like that. I know what I'm doing. Yes. But I do remember one of the very first cases I went out to was I don't know if you've seen Ashley's real recently where she did the like when I was a new shy CSI and I couldn't ask the deputies for help and now yes. I'm like in the house with me yeah. you know I've done yes. that yeah like, sure. get out of your police car and quit playing wordle so one of the first cases I had was a, a man who committed suicide in an orange grove and I was a new baby CSI and I hadn't quite gotten that assertive yet and so I walked up to the scene and they had roped off the entire orange grove and it's night, you know, it's three in the morning. I walked up to the scene and they were like, I, I was like, where is he? And they're like, he's out there. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. And literally it was the middle of the night and they had roped off the whole orange grove. And I am, I always joke about like, I think I'm a very confident woman. And if somebody came at me, I would fight. And I learned very quickly in crime scene that I'm a flighter, not a fighter. My oh. natural instinct is to just up and run, you know, save yourself. Like, you can exit first and be like, uh, deuces, just, I'm out, follow me. Natural. <laughs> so, yeah, so I walked out into the pitch black orange grove by myself, oh my just, just creeping along until I finally found him leaned up against a tree out in the orange grove and with no one in sight, like just me. By myself out there. There were a lot of times where I just creeped, totally creeped myself out on different crime scenes and stuff because I'm just a little yeah. bit of a scaredy cat with that stuff. So yeah, that was well, one no, of my I mean, you, there's things you can't unsee and you totally have like nightmares about it or like For flashbacks. Sure. Yeah, no, and that that's real stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's scary. I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. 
Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I learned over time. I'm like, uh, show me where. Yeah, no, you, <laughs> show, you show me exactly where I'm not walking out there by myself. But that took a little bit to learn. <laughs> yeah. She's a hundred percent because when I was like literally thrown in, like we have talked about now, like 700 times, there was a crime scene where I looked at the cop and I'm like, should I do anything else? And he's like, bitch, I don't know. You're like, yeah. I'm seeing investigator. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, have you seen other people do more? And he's like, I sit in my car and I make sure that nobody attacks you. That's my role. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I hope yeah, you're warm or cold. Yeah, your you're response warm. time will be great. It's funny how much cops see, though, because let me give them credit on that. There was a burglary of a home that was tented for termites. And so when I showed up, what had happened was the termite treatment people were the ones that reported the burglary. And they were about three or four really large men. And the cop that was on scene with me, I mean, I wish I could say his name out loud because I love him so much. But just picture a man that's about 140 pounds of muscle, but still 140 pounds. And these guys are huge. And so I walk up and what I don't realize is apparently there's two conflicting groups here. There's like the owner of the house and the termite people. And for some reason, they start blaming each other for the burglary and they start pushing each other. And I'm literally in the middle, like the lucky Pierre in the middle of the Eiffel Tower. And I freak out. And then that cop in his car pops out at 140 pounds and starts pushing them around and shaking his finger. And somehow <laughs> at that body weight gets complete control over men that are well, well over 220. Dang. Yeah. So even they though those pressure points down, yeah. <laughs> even though they're in their car, apparently they're still making sure we don't die. So we still love you, cops. Yes. Oh, yes. For thank sure. you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for making the scene safe. That's my what hope. I want to know is where our audience can find Gap Science. Oh, on I've seen like 15 media. times. I'm going to say it again. Social media, Shelly. I want another TikTok. I want another Instagram. I want to know all the of the talk things. of the tick and the gram of the Insta. Hit us. Yeah. So if you just go at Gap Science, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, which is my fave, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Pinterest. You're pinning on Pinterest? Oh, I love this girl. You're so what we're trying to say is that you can find our girls at Gap Science Anywhere. You can find us at Crime Scene Queens. You can find them at gapscience.com. You can email us, hello at crimescenequeens.com. And we are so grateful for you to to come on our show, share about the inception, share about our business, share about your backgrounds, a yes. little bit of that crime scene goodness that, you know, the public always wants to pick our brains about. Yes. We're so happy that you're part of our Women in Science. And can I just say when all of our listeners, when you guys go on to GapScience.com, Check out the merchandise. So like go to the like the three little lines, whatever, and then go to the merchandise section and you have to order the marshmallow shirt because I'm going to order one. Shelly is about the hamburger menu. Let me also say for your audience, because obviously a lot of forensic people yeah. are listening. So we're excited to be celebrating women's um, women's and I do that all women the time. Women in the science ones. month. 
But we also like to spread the love big time during National Forensic Science Week, which yes. is in September. Yes. Yeah. Last year we did a virtual summit. It's completely free. This year we're doing it again. And they can always. I remember also- that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So rad. Yeah. So it's a four day event. I think we're going to have over 25 speakers free to attend and we're already starting the wait list. So they can go to forensicsupervisorsuccess.com. It does show you everything that we had last year. And then you can also click the button and get on the wait list for 2023. All right, y'all. So sign up for it. And amazing. So follow (laughs) them. And listen, if you're going to go out there, you're going to get messy. You're going to commit a crime. Do Ashley a favor and me a favor and leave lots of evidence and do Aaron a favor and touch a bunch of shit without gloves and do <laughs> Shelly a favor and spill a bunch of crap post Miranda. And love it. <laughs> and we love you and keep bye it bye. interesting. Bye. Until next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs>